I don't know that there is a sermon that I have prayed more over or one that I have felt more uh, perhaps angst over, just being honest here. Um, not now, but during the week. And there were so many things I was thinking that I wanted to say. And things got pretty, pretty quiet on God's end of the conversation. And I realized that, oh, maybe, you know, I need to put aside all the things I want to say, and maybe I need to ask God, what does he want to say? Just saying. And so when I s repented and started praying that way, you know, amazingly, um, kind of an outline came together. Uh, I won't tell you when, but, <laughs> I mean, I've been praying all along. Don't think I haven't been praying. Um, I do think it's important, I know I mentioned it, but last Sunday, Doug announced uh, before the benediction that he was going to be taking a leave of absence beginning October 1st, that he met with, on, on his volition, he went to meet with the bishop and the DS and explained his health situation that he had tried and tried and tried to overcome, and but it just has not um, Perhaps some things are better, but still just struggling overall with energy and strength and all of that. Um, good days and bad days. And yet when he would have a good day, then he'd usually pay for it for about a day and a half, you know, the next day. So a lot of times y'all see him here and think he looked pretty good and all that. And, and yes, that may be true, but also just all that he had to do then to prepare for that and then to make up for that event. So there will be an interim pastor who will be appointed. We do not know who that is, and we don't know exactly when that will be, but we should be hearing about that fairly soon. And then the SPRC committee will be meeting um, probably a lot more than they have in the past, but SPRC committee will be meeting to discuss uh, a new pastor, a new senior pastor to be appointed as of July 1st. All of that said, um, I think it is such a critical time to be in prayer. I think people connect very easily with Doug. He's very personable. Uh, early on, several people commented how he was such a shepherd. And, uh, and so be praying for him because this is life-changing for him. I mean, for the years have kind of grown, but I think he's settling on 40 now. I don't know exactly. But 35, 40 years, this is what he's done. And it's what his family has done. So pray for Sally, pray for Doug, pray for Sarah and Rachel and their families. This isn't easy. So please be in prayer for them. Doug and Sally are wanting to be in the congregation, and the bishop has to kind of say okay to that. So that also could be a prayer request as well. Uh, but they want to worship here with us, so, and he will be preaching next Sunday. Um, I don't know if a date has been confirmed, but we're looking at the end of April for some type of retirement reception for him. Uh, I think April 28th, that's when his, the friends that he's with right now, the bishop, uh, Bishop Scott Jones and others can be a part. I don't know exactly what all that will be, but my guess is some roasting might be involved. Um, not as in what you put in the oven with carrots and potatoes and stuff, but anyway, um, we will see. I think his friends will come uh, ready to talk. So we'll, we'll see about all of that, but please realize they will be here, um, they will be here with us. For some people, they love change, right? Are there people here that love change? Come on, come on. You're normally, you know, some people just love change. 
Okay, we've got, we've got some winners. And then there are other people that do not care for change much at all. Uh, it doesn't mean you want to stagnate, but you like things being in a familiar place. Um, I understand that, and I get that. In praying for this time, and I'm supposed to be talking about the 19 things that uh, John Wesley asked the pastors to do, and the, I know this is on tape, um, <laughs> but, but I did not see the point of us being here today the week after the senior pastor announces that he's going to need to take a leave of absence because of his health, and I talked to you about the things that John Wesley wanted preachers to do. So we may talk to about them very briefly, like, you know, very briefly. But I felt like there were things that we needed to talk about. And I will do the scripture. It's going to be at the end. Please don't think I forgot it. I did go to Perkins, but I remember the scripture. Okay. <laughs> he went to Asbury. I went to Perkins. Let the reader understand, right? Yes, it is on tape. Robert is here. I'm grateful my son is here. Um, Lauren is with friends in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, we've only had to call her, I think, about three times so far today. So the electricity was not working in the first kid's room. So anyway, um, in praying about this, and, I, and I, I feel this for every part of the congregation, and I'm so grateful y'all are here today because rainy day, you know, people are just kind of like, I think I'll roll over, and I prayed that you'd wake up, sorry, but, you know, and I think that's kind of how we need to be praying for each other in the next few months, weeks and months. The thing that came to me quickly and very strongly was hold on. Not as in it's going to be rocky, so to speak, but more stand your ground. We stand our ground in prayer. We stand our ground as a church. You know, there's like no going back, okay? That we stand our ground. Hold on, you know, my first thought when I heard hold on, Robert loved roller coasters. And I was so grateful the day when I no longer had to sit by him because he was so young, I was afraid he would fall out, you know? Because I don't particularly like to get on machines that make you want to throw up. You know, their, their, their whole purpose is, you know, will this make someone hurl? Um, we hold on. We hold on. So in that, in thinking about all of this, we, as a church, we are very aware of uh, the ministries of Gather, Grow, Go. We have gathered here. The women had a gathering event last Sunday night. The men have had gather events. And the, the whole point is, is that we are better together than separate. Now, for those of you that think you're a wonderful separate, that's awesome. But as a group, we are better together. And we need to stand together. We need to be a part of community. We need each other. We need each other. We are, one of our phrases is, you belong here. And that's really true. And for those of you that have been members forever, that's awesome. For you, those of you that may be considering it, or maybe you're visiting, you belong here. This church is a very accepting church. It's a, it's a church where people are loved. And I hear over and over how people talk about, they come in these doors and they feel such peace. Now, I'm grateful they don't come in the doors when moms stay out or just dropping off and kids are screaming and, you know, because the kids are not thinking they belong here, they want to be with their mothers, but you belong here. 
This is not the time to chill, but this is the time to advance. And I think if Doug Miller were standing here today, he would say that, that this is not the time to chill. We cannot just put it in neutral for nine months. We have to advance. And I think the most critical thing in that is prayer. And I think we need to press in in prayer. And I really want to do a call to prayer for everyone from the youngest child. Because a lot of times when I'm wanting somebody to pray for something, I talk to children. Y'all been around when children pray? I mean, they just get after it, right? So from, from children to adults to senior adults to youth, we need to be praying. Need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for Doug and Sally and their families. This is not an easy time. Need to be praying for the staff. Can anybody say amen? Pray for me. Okay? <laughs> really. I mean it. I mean it. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind here, but it doesn't really help when you come up to me and say, do you know how busy you will be? And I apologize in advance to people that have said that. But if maybe if you could just say, I'm praying for you, okay? And wink, you know, if you're really wanting to say you're so busy or whatever. I mean, I kind of get that. Um, and I am trying to keep that before God. I am trying to take all of that to the foot of the cross. When I start feeling overwhelmed, and that's about, oh, every 30 seconds, you know, I take it to the Lord. Because, y'all, it's not about a person. It's about what God is doing here. And it's about what the Holy Spirit is doing here. And if the Holy Spirit, if, if we ever so offend the Holy Spirit that he walks out the door, we're in trouble. It's not about, I mean, these are awesome. And they're supposed to signify Jesus is in the house. But Jesus is in the house regardless. I mean, love the acolytes, they're awesome. Not their fault. You know, all of that. Pray for the church. Pray for the one who will be the interim. Pray for the one that would be the senior pastor. I encourage you to press in in prayer. There is a book, and I, it is on my desk because I was going to show it to you, and that's why it's on my desk. But it's called Moving Mountains by John Elridge, and it's one of the best books I have ever read on prayer. And Lauren recommended it to me, and uh, I read it. It was excellent. I've shared it with some people. I'm hoping that we can do some kind of prayer emphasis maybe in the spring, maybe right after Christmas. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. We need to be praying for the big Methodist church. We need to be praying that God would be honored. These are important days. We need to be praying for people to come. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, well, I saw the sign. I drive by this church every day. And I saw the sign or whatever. Now, the sign needs healing right now. We know that. It has been ordered. It's been prayed over. Pray for people to come. I encourage you that it's a time to show up. We need each other. And I get it sometimes there are other things that happen on Sundays. I get that. But this is the time to show up. This is the time if you know of friends who aren't here or people that maybe are sick or you haven't seen them in a while, call them. Dog them, okay? I mean, in Jesus' love, of course. Don't be annoying. Um, we need each other. When we join the church, 
the question is asked, will you be faithful to this church by your prayer, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And I believe that prayer is the most important thing we do. The most important thing in the next few months. It's the most important thing we should be doing all the time. But sometimes there are seasons that are critical. And we all get that we live in a broken world. And there are times it seems to me that the world almost is in chaos. And it's our witness. It is our prayer. It is our example that makes the difference. And so I just encourage you, there is much to be praying about. And if you want to pray in little groups, or if you want to pray in your core groups, those are about to start, or whatever you want to do, I don't care. Kids at bedtime, I don't care. But my prayer for us all, that we won't be passive in prayer. There have been times in my life where I've prayed, thy will be done. But sometimes, now hear me, sometimes that's almost like a cop-out. And sometimes it is more of real intercession. When Jesus said, pray like this, and it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a bold prayer. That's huge. And I get it, there may be times that we don't know what else to do, and it's like thy will be done. But that is a place of authority. That's not a place of passivity. That is a place of authority. So I encourage you in prayer. <clears throat> Years ago when the kids were little, I was on staff at Hillcrest Church uh, helping in their missions program. Um, and I was in charge of a kind of a training that they did and it was like 13 weeks long, it was crazy long and it was two days a week, Wednesday and Thursday, and it was from seven to nine. Everything about it screamed, <laughs> you know, this is hard to come to, you're probably too busy to do this. But we usually had about 25 people come to that and it was training and we had different missionary pastors come and speak and some were excellent. I mean, these guys, John Garlock, if some of you remember that name, um, among others, David Shibley was one of the people that came and was a part and, and would speak. And David was on staff years ago at Church on the Rock when Larry Lee was there a million years ago. And he's written several books and he now has his own missionary organization. And he goes everywhere in the third world training pastors, which is a huge need because these guys can't afford to go to seminary. They can't afford that. And so he is a part of that kind of ministry. He came and spoke at uh, Hillcrest at the, the missions group that we had. Um, my kids were there both nights. They were little. I think Robert was about four. Uh, Lauren was about eight. She was, I think, in the second grade. And he asked for intercessors. In one of his speaking times of speaking, he said, I go a lot of places. I need help. I would, you know, those of you that'd like to be on my intercession team, you know, let me know, all of that. And there were about 25 adults in the room. And, and we had... You know, Lauren sometimes would be there doing her homework. Sometimes she'd be taking notes, and I'd be going, really, you're in the second grade? I didn't say that. But it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, girl. But cool, you know. Robert's job, he was for, was to go and get cookies for people that were too embarrassed to stand up and go back and get cookies again. And uh, Laura Burns, as a matter of fact, I remember, you know, and then Robert would forget and announce what kind it was or whatever, you know, running back to the table. Um, but we were packing up one night, the night that he gave the appeal, and I didn't see anybody go up and talk to him. These are people that were into missions, and he's kind of a big dog missionary. And, uh, and I saw Lauren up there talking to him. And, and he was like, he looked at me and then looked at her, and she said, I want to pray for you. 
And as far as I know, she was the only one that responded. And he wisely said yes and talked to her. And she prayed for him every day for like well over a year. Eight years old. Most of us are past eight right now, right? We won't get into higher math for some of us. It's a time for prayer. It's a time to be about what counts for eternity. The DS, when he met with the SPRC, I hope I'm not divulging something that will get me on the short list to go somewhere else. But, um, but the DS commented, he said, you are known in the conference as a God-focused church. You are known in the conference as a church that stands on the word of God. Those were his words. And he said, I expect you all to be in prayer as we are in this process, that we would have God's wisdom, that God would do exceedingly abundantly above what we would ask or think. That's what the DS said. We need to be about prayer. We need to be about presence showing up. One of the things that was said about John Wesley, okay, y'all listening, because this is kind of part of what I was supposed to talk about. John Wesley had the, we call them core groups, they called them bands, that's not like in play the guitar, but like small groups of people together, or societies or whatever, and that's how Methodism started. It's also how the Great Awakening started, which was a major revival that changed the world. It is said that it is because of the, of the, the societies of John Wesley, because of the Great Awakening, that England did not have the bloodbath that France did. Y'all remember that, the French Revolution? And he was called the Apostle of England. George Whitfield, who many said was a far better preacher than Wesley. George Whitfield, who had these amazing crowds, said because Wesley had the structure, because Wesley had the small groups, because Wesley had people gathering together and looking each other in the eye and saying, how is it with your soul today? That that's where revival started. And I encourage you, as we meet in small groups, as you gather, as we meet in small groups, that prayer would be a part of that, but that, that we would just gel as a congregation in this season. And this is an amazing congregation. The leadership here is amazing, you guys. I mean, I'm not trying to diss other places, and I know there are bigger churches and all that kind of thing. But the leadership here is huge. And understanding the things of the Spirit is so huge. And we have to be true to what we know to be true. We have to be faithful in all of that. We give a, an answer that we will, we will be in prayer, we will, our presence, our gifts. Um, we need to be able to give. And this is not a, a finance thing or whatever, but we just need to, part of our need it's not so much that God needs our money, but that we need to learn how to trust him and let go of things sometimes. There's a passage in Mark 14, I was reading it this week, uh, Mark 14, where the story is told about the woman who came and broke the alabaster jar over Jesus' head when he was uh, sitting at a meal, one of his last meals with the disciples. And it was very expensive. I mean, there's no way that we could put money value. Women usually did not have a ton of money in that day unless they were just, you know, unless it was a family money or whatever. But they were reclining at table 
and she comes up. Now, think about that. Think about women in that day. Think about men at the table kind of stuff. It says, while he was in Bethany reclining that table at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another, why, was, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I say, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done for me will be told in memory of her. The thing that struck me in this passage is she did what she could. It was lavish, it was extravagant, but she did what she could. It took courage to go and do that. I, I mean, to break a jar of oil or perfume and pour it over Jesus' head, do you think people noticed? Yeah, you know. And, and not only was that done at times to show honor, but sometimes it was also for declaring a king. Kind of a remarkable story. She did what she could. We say that we'll, we will be a part of service in serving the church. And there are lots of opportunities for that and lots of things that we can do. We say that we will be a part about witness. And we talk about bringing the love of Jesus to every neighborhood, near and far. And it doesn't happen without our witness. Now, I get it that is easier for some than others, but we still need to be about of it. it need to be about it. When you're in a season of a lot of unknowns, it is easy to feel um, unsettled maybe unconnected, things like that. I encourage you with me that our focus would be on God, who does not change. I encourage you that when you feel overwhelmed or you're not sure what to do, that you take it to him because he knows what to do. We don't know what to do, but he knows what to do. I encourage you to think about a season of prayer that we would do what God has called us to do, that we would be faithful. We gather in worship every Sunday, and I don't know about you, but there are times that I almost take it for granted. And yet there are places that missionary go, missionaries go and people gather in incredible bravery because they could be taken to jail. Huge ramifications right now in China. I don't know if you've seen the news in the last couple of months, but huge ramifications in China for those that are believers. And we gather. This is our privilege. It's also our responsibility to be here. This is not about condemnation or judgment or whatever, but when you can, it's important to be here. It's important to be here. Our trust is in God. Psalm 46 talks about that he is our refuge and strength. And that we look to him, and it goes on to talk about even though the mountains fall into the sea and all of that, which sounds kind of catastrophic, 
to me, don't know about you, but I don't know if it rained at your house last week, last Friday. Some folks had a lot of rain. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, and therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. It goes on to talk about many other things. A very famous passage of scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3 um, is one I would like to close with. And he is talking about his life and he's talking about what is important. And he was well-trained, well-educated. He was a zealot. He, if he did not personally kill people, he hauled them off to jail. He certainly was a witness at the stoning of Stephen. <clears throat> and he is saying that all of that, all of the confidence in the flesh that he counted, the King James says dung, that's a nice way to put it, right? That, that you know, he counted it as worthless compared to knowing Christ. Let me pick up in verse 10. Paul is speaking, I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, only let us live up to what we have already attained. This church has heard a lot of preaching, a lot of ministry, and may we hold true to what we have already attained and may we press on. And that's, that's not in any way to have disregard for former things, but to realize as in running a race, you have to keep looking forward. You have to go on. Hebrews 12 says, now that I am surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So may we be a part of prayer. May we be a part of, of serious prayer, pressing in. May we be in prayer for the church and the staff, for people to come. May we be in prayer for Doug and Sally and their families as they adjust to this. It's a big deal. May we be faithful. May we be faithful. When everything shakes in our world, it's my conviction that you run to what doesn't shake. And that would be God. That would be God. So whether you're dealing with personal situations or whether you are, um, everything is wonderful in your world and everything is fine, that would be great. I'd love to shake your hand. But um, we look to God. It's not our strength. It's not what seminary we went to or how we have been trained but it is his power. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So praying that God would fill us again with his spirit, 
praying that we would be faithful to what he has called us to do.